Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. Phenomenal. I do want to reiterate the fact that this is uh, one of three last services that we're going to have here in this facility. So May the 1st, guys, we're going to be in the new space over at Heritage House of Blessing in East Nashville. If you know where Barista Parlor is, you know where House of Blessing is, okay? So it's super easy to find. How many of you guys were at the work day on Saturday? Yeah, there was, there's, there's a lot of people. We, we put a lot of paint on walls, didn't we, guys? We, we painted. Uh, the floors are all stripped. We got all the adhesive off now. They're going to be coming in this, this week. They're going to uh, stain the hardwoods. All the paint's going to be done. Our children's facility is getting a big renovation. New carpet, fresh paint on the walls down there. Isn't that awesome? Going to make that, that place just... You know, really safe, really fun for your kiddos and a really safe, really fun place for you and all of your friends. And uh, I want to tell you guys, with the amount of effort that we're putting in to uh, this new place, that first Sunday, your mind is going to be blown, all right? Are you guys ready for that? Just pray over yourself before you get there because you're going to blow up from excitement. I can tell you right now, it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm so serious. I know it's going to be beautiful. We got a lot of cool people who are helping out, not even a part of our church, actually. They're just pitching in, helping out because they want to bless our church and make sure that our staging and design and our lighting and our projection, all that, you know, cool stuff that makes church extra fun. I mean, Jesus is at the epicenter of that, but all those extra goodies, you know, they're just more fun, right? Like sprinkles on top of ice cream. Who doesn't like those rainbow-colored sprinkles on top of your froyo when your wife demands you to go there at midnight because she's pregnant? I mean, who else? You know what I'm, you, you know what I'm saying? You might as well. That's what I do. Um, I get the sprinkles. I'm not ashamed to say it. I get the rainbow sprinkles, and then I usually end up sneaking a bunch of chocolate chip cookie dough into the bottom, and then, and then Allison's like, why does yours cost $12? So, <laughs> well, it's all the cookie dough. Sorry about that, sweetheart. So, um, yeah, we've been working really hard there, and um, yeah, we, you know, I took a couple of pictures um, we may, we may get, uh, get a chance to show you, those, uh, show you some of those this week. We'll post it on social media, and, and we want you guys to be updated as to what the space is looking like and how it's transforming, because since we've got there, guys, it's almost like a completely different facility. And I want you to know something else. Um, our community, our family, like we're really bringing some prophetic promises uh, home. Like God is using us. He's using us, guys, to bring some prophetic promises to pass for the House of Blessing family. I mean, every time that we get to go over there and speak to their elders, you know, they've been there for almost 40 years, I think it is. If I'm, am I right in that, Randy? Is that close? So, um, and they've just worshiped with us and just praised Jesus for the fact that for such a time as this, like God has saw fit for our families to come together and worship in the same place. And I think it's just beautiful how he's uniting these communities and giving us the opportunity to share the light 
with East Nashville, which in my opinion is one of Jesus's favorite neighborhoods in Nashville. I know he has a lot of favorite neighborhoods and you know, your street is his favorite street, undoubtedly, but I really do think that if Jesus was walking Nashville tonight, I think at some point he'd find himself in East Nashville, right? I don't know, that's, that's, that's my opinion because uh, I know there's a lot of need there and uh, you know, I feel like God's called me to be a hipster missionary on certain days. And uh, so I'm like, it's just a perfect setup for, for my calling. You know, and that's what I think. What do you guys think? So, and even if you don't feel called to that people group, that's okay because it is an eclectic mix over there. And that's another thing I love about it. So uh, we're gonna be having another team night. If you came last month to our team night, we gave you a tour of the facility. We introduced you to some of our team leads uh, for 2016, and we're going to continue uh, with that effort in just building chemistry, building community and camaraderie with our leaders and with people who serve. So if you serve here at Legacy in any capacity at all, it doesn't matter if it's small, uh, little, it's one Sunday a month, if it's a lot, if it's every Sunday per month, then we want to invite you to come out to team night. And if you're interested in serving, we want to invite you to come out to team night because team night is where that happens. That's, that's where the plug-in takes place, guys. So if you're like, hey, how do I contribute? How do I become uh, more of a part of what we're doing here as a community? Come to team night because we're going to tell you how you can get plugged in and then make space for that to happen, all right? So if you're interested in that, I want you to come out. It's the last Wednesday of every month for now, and that's going to be the last month, uh, Wednesday of this month at 630 at House of Blessing. So, how many of you guys are excited about this next season? And I am pumped. I, I am so pumped. And, um, you know, a lot of good things are happening, but how many of you guys know that, um, I, well, I heard someone say this, revival is spelled out W-O-R-K. It just, it's just an interesting statement to make because a lot of people would believe the opposite. You know, oh man, it's just, it's just the move of the Spirit. You know, we don't have to do anything. Well, how do, you, how do you facilitate, you know, thousands and thousands of people getting saved in one day like in Acts chapter 2? You know, you have to have some administration. You have to have some people who are willing to serve the community and the body, people who are willing to, you know, oversee the tables where the widows were getting uh, taken care of. You guys know what I'm talking about. So it's important that as we're, as we're growing and as we're stewarding like the momentum that God is pouring out on our family, that we're arising to the occasion and making sure that, that the needs of our family are, are not going unnoticed. Would you guys agree with that? Because how many of you guys know it's important that we all work together to meet the needs of people who are a part of our family and make sure everybody feels like that they are welcome at the table, that Jesus is at the head, and that we're here to celebrate him together and love each other genuinely. So there's my, uh, there's my pitch for team night. And um, it, has, it has been work. I know for me this week, I have felt awkwardly busy. And uh, it's not every week that I get to uh, spray or, or pour out um, adhesive on a, uh, um, a wooden floor. Man, I'll tell you guys, that stuff smells. And then scraping it up, slow but sure, uh, in the sanctuary. It's not every week I get to do that. But I don't mind the work. To be honest with you, I actually enjoy it. I, I love doing hands-on work, and, and when you're doing it in the house of God, I couldn't think of a more fun place to be doing a little manual labor, right? So for me, all week long, I've just, I've like woke up, and I've said to myself, I got so much 
to do today? Anybody ever been there? How many of you guys live there, right? <laughs> you wake up, you know, your eyes open up, and the first thing you think is, oh, my goodness. Like, I have a to-do list a mile long. Where do I even get started? Well, I've, I've been feeling like that myself, guys, this week. Just been feeling busy this, this upcoming week. I'm, I'm actually going to be headed to Brazil. Um, going to be preaching down there, which is awesome. I'm so pumped uh, to be there with uh, the Dunamis movement. Uh, you can check them out on YouTube or social media or whatever. It's a, it's a, it, you, should, you guys should check them out, man. They're, they're incredible. And so with that, with that kind of in the best way hanging over my head, knowing that I'm going to get on an airplane, but we have all this work to do before May 1st, you know, I'm calling contractors, I'm, I'm calling people, and, and they're like, May 1st, oh, well, you, you, you know, you have plenty of time. And I'm like, who are you kidding? Like, May 1st is going to happen overnight. Like, we have to get you in here this week. Come on, there is work to be done. We are busy, busy, busy. I, I'm, I'm sure that you guys have felt that way before. Just like, man, there's so much work that I need to do. There's, there's tons of work that needs to get done. And every week this week, I woke up thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. You know, the bad thing about that is when you're that busy, for me especially, is it pulls me out of my routine. You guys know what I'm talking about? Which really stinks. Because for me, I have a very precise routine that I really like a lot. And every morning I get up, typically I'll go pick up Isaiah out of the crib, bring him back to the bed so he can hang out with mommy for a little bit. And then I'll go make coffee and start to read my Bible, and then I like to read a book. You know, I'm always, I believe that, uh, you know, leaders are readers. Can I get two good amens? You know, it's good to read some books. And so I'll read a book, and, you know, I'll pray, and I'll do like what Tony was saying. Maybe I'll journal a little bit. I don't use the exact same format, but I'm going to try that now because I want some spelignment. And uh, so, you know, I, I'll, I'll write some stuff down, uh, either with pen or on Google Docs or something. And that's kind of my routine. You know, it brings peace to my day. I feel, I feel sorted. I feel like I have things together. But all week long, I haven't been able to do that. You know, it's just, I'm, it's like I'm, I'm getting up and I'm like, so much stuff to do. I got to get to work. I got to do something. I got to work. And so all week long, I haven't had that. I haven't really made time for that, um, you know, just that alone time with the Lord. I'm sure I'm not alone in here in saying that. You guys probably know what it's like sometimes to be in a busy season where you're like, man, I'm just so busy. I just, I just really haven't had time for my devotionals. I know I'm not just preaching to myself in here tonight, right? And you're like, man, I just, I, you know, I, I don't even have time for that. Like, I got other stuff to do. I, I'm, I'm worried about other stuff. And so I tried to get some prayer time in while I was painting. You know, just, you know, I'm doing, you know, cutting in on the trim and, you know, listen to some podcasts when I've been up there by myself and praying for a little bit. And I just, I got to thinking, I'm like, God, you know, I feel just so, so busy and I don't know what's going on. Uh, the weekend started to approach and I thought I started to think about well, what, you know, what am I going to preach about and what am I going to talk about from the scripture tonight? And I really felt like that, that my week and just feeling busy, I know it's not just been this week for me, it's, it's, it's really been a season for me, uh, but I really felt like I was supposed to address uh, busyness and just in how we navigate our life and our lifestyles 
um, with the Lord and with community and how we address worry and anxiety and how busyness and the feelings of busyness contribute to those things and actually pull us out of our highest calling, which is communion with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So I did a little research. Now, whenever I do sermon prep, I love to, to read psychology articles. It's just one of my favorite things to do. I go to psychology today, and I read about certain issues that I feel like the Lord is bringing up. And so this week, I actually went and I looked at a few articles about how busy Americans are and about how busy that we feel that we are and just how that contributes to our emotional health overall. And what I found was is that it's now become a very popular and common response to the question, how are you doing? For somebody to say, well, I'm just busy. You know, how often do you ask somebody, hey, how are you doing? Busy. Hey, what's going on in your life? I'm too busy, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? You ever ask somebody that? And they're like, I'm just way too busy. It's like a humble brag. You know what I'm saying? It's like, a, it's, it's, it's like they're complaining, but really what it is more than anything else, it's a boast that's disguised as a complaint. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. And in our culture, you know, we've popularized this so much that it's become acceptable. In fact, it's become helpful to say, uh, well, that sure beats the alternative. Or, or, or saying like, well, man, good for you. You know, you know what I'm saying? We, we say that to each other when we hear somebody say, uh, well, I'm busy. Well, we say, uh, that's a good problem to have, isn't it? We congratulate people on their dysfunction. That's a <laughs> great job. You have no time for your kids. <laughs> Doing good. But am I being, am I being honest, guys? You know, we, how, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just so busy, I tell you. It, it's, it's, it's a boast that's disguised as a complaint. And as I started to do some research on how busy Americans feel, it turns out that busyness in our culture is at an all-time high. Americans today are feeling more busy than they ever have been um, since they've been doing research on this stuff. It's a constant condition for a huge portion of our society. But the reality is, as the research turns out, we're not actually as busy that we feel that we are. Because leisure time for Americans is now at an all-time high. But it's being disguised by the fact that we're always looking at a screen when we're not working, and so we feel like we're actually busier than we are because of the added pressure of culture via Instagram as we're scrolling and Facebook and CNN. You guys know what I'm talking about. So it's like we feel, oh my gosh, I'm busy. That girl just got a new pair of red bottom shoes. I gotta keep up with her. Those are, what are those called? Louboutins. I gotta get some Louboutins. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I need some of them, girl. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm saying, right? Quote me, quote me. That can, they're going on a cruise. Can you believe? I gotta work harder. I'm I, I'm busier than I've ever been. 
Not because your job gave you some extra task, but because you saw what somebody else was doing and so all of a sudden shame has become your motivator and you feel busier than you actually are. We are way less busy than we feel we are. But what's fueling the busyness is actually what we need to identify. And I'd say nine times out of 10, what we need to rebuke. You guys with me on this so far? So feeling busy seems to be an all-time high, but I don't think we're as busy as we feel. I believe, after looking over this research here, I believe that we're actually using the idea of being busy as a way of proving to ourselves that we are important. I think, I think that what we're doing is we're using the idea of being busy as a way to prove to ourselves that we're important. You guys with me on this? If we're busy, if we're booked up, if we're in demand, then we're desired. We are somebody important. So what we do is we busy ourselves silly, not because we truly want to be busy, but because we need to feel busy so that we can feel important. So this, this is an epidemic, guys. I mean, you guys can read the article. Just Google how busy are Americans. This is an epidemic in our culture. So one of, the, one of my pastors, he used to tell me when I, I, I traveled at, uh, for a few years as an armor bearer. Do you guys know what an armor bearer is? We, we don't have a whole lot of armor bearers in, in, I think, current culture. But basically, it's a glorified personal assistant that doesn't get paid. <laughs> but you get spiritual benefits, which are way more awesome, you know. And you get to learn so much from your pastor. And I remember him telling me often, busyness, Lyle, is barrenness. He would tell, he said, busyness is barrenness. I mean, there would be times he would send me home from the office and he'd say, get out of the office. I don't want to see you for three days. I don't care what you do. Go bowling, go eat junk food, go play Xbox, but get out of my face. Leave the office. You are just busying yourself silly and busyness, Lyle, is barrenness. And I think that we often busy ourselves believing that if we are busy enough, we'll be successful and satisfied. But in all actuality, this is far from the truth because being busy never makes anybody feel more full or satisfied. Can I get a good amen on that? Just about every day this week, I did that. And I got to tell you guys, that did not make me feel any more full. It did not make me feel any more satisfied or, or that I was any happier you know, about the way that my week is going, which is why I'm so thankful for the fact that I have a church and a community of people like you guys to come and worship with, and I have the Bible, because I get the opportunity to come in and be reminded of what's most important in the midst of a culture that pushes this busy script upon me week in and week out. That's one of the great reasons to come to church, to be reminded and to be grounded as to what's most important. So as I thought um, about this topic this week and, you know, did some research and looked into some articles, I began to pray and ask God how he feels about being busy uh, because I, I, I know that I've struggled with this and I, I'm sure that some of you in here tonight uh, struggle with this. And I started to remember Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and I bet, there, I bet a lot of you guys in here could, could quote that. You know, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. You guys know that scripture, right? Yeah. 
Well, I actually wanted to look at the passage that that scripture is embedded in, and that's Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. So if you have your app or you have your Bible, you can open it up. I want to read that to you tonight. And if you're reading from the New American Standard, which is the NASB version, you'll see that there's a title over top this passage, and it says, The Cure for Anxiety. So that grabs my attention. How about you guys? How many of you guys would be honest and say, in the last season, I have dealt to some extent with feeling anxious because I am busy, right? Four of you guys? <laughs> you know, yeah, right? I know, I, I felt it, I felt it. So we're gonna read verse 25 through verse 34. It's, it's nine verses of scripture, but I really wanna get uh, the story, all right? So the Bible says, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. We could stop right there, go home, and have received a dynamic sermon from Jesus. It's not even a suggestion. It's more of a commandment in the way that he gives it. He says, do not be worried about your life. I mean, he's articulating the lifestyle of a kingdom citizen. He's saying a New Testament Christian does not spend their time obsessing and worrying anxiously about their life and how busy they are. That's a pretty good word. What do you guys think? He says, For I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow, and they do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these, all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So let's just pray and just ask the Lord to impact us with this passage, this kingdom truth and reality, to, to give us what he calls rest and peace and contentment and not what the world calls busyness and barrenness and, and discontent and anxiety. Amen? So, Lord, we just ask you to impact our lives with the gospel tonight. We open ourselves up to receive from you, from your truth, from your spirit. And we just say that we desire it because we acknowledge the fact that your ways are far above our ways, God. And we want to live this life in the way of Christ. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. amen. So we see here that Jesus, just right off the bat in this sermon, he just speaks to us directly. He says uh, right from the get-go, do not be worried about your life. 
But, you know, he doesn't just give this quick command and then gloss over it and move on. This word worry here, if you look at it in the original language, in the Greek, you actually see that he uses the word six times in these nine verses, which that's pretty substantial. It seems like he was trying to grab our attention pretty strongly by saying, hey, I want to talk to you guys about worry right now. And so he addresses it six times in just nine verses. The word worry here, and I'm going to struggle to get it out, but I'm going to give it a shot, all right? It's called merimnao. I don't know. I just, I, I, yeah, I did my best. <laughs> Crushed it, right? So what it means is it means to be anxious or distracted. That's the simple and plain definition, but a lot of times, Greek words as well as Hebrew words, they actually paint a very vivid picture. And this one is, is very interesting because the picture it paints, it actually means to divide or to pull something into pieces. That's what it means. In other words, it means that when we worry, we are not whole. When we are anxious, we are actually pulled into pieces and divided into parts. When we are anxious, we are actually fragmented people. Isn't that crazy? So when we are consumed with busyness, we're not whole. We're pulled into pieces and our focus becomes divided and then our lives become distracted. We don't know which way to go anymore. That's what happens. That's the result of anxiety. It's confusion. It's distraction. It's, it's no longer wholeness, but it's actually fragmentation. But this is what Jesus came to deliver us from. Jesus came preaching and declaring that because of what he accomplished on the cross for us, that we would have life and life abundantly, which is wholeness, which is not fragmentation, which is not a life pulled into pieces and separated, not knowing what to do and being distracted, but that we would have a whole life, that we would have a focused life, that we would have a precise life, that we would have a life of rest and a life of fullness, a life of contentment. And that includes freedom from all anxiety, and that even includes freedom from busyness. How many of you guys know that God genuinely cares about how we spend our time? Do you guys know that? He really cares about how you spend your time. I mean, I looked through the Bible this week, and I was, I was looking at, does God, you know, what does God say about our time? And in fact, if you look at it, he really never, he never addresses time directly and, and, and precisely which I think is interesting because he just leaves it up to us to have relationship and communication and fellowship with his spirit so that he can dictate our time, not by religious rules, but through relationship with him. You guys with me? And so he cares, I really do believe that, he cares about how we spend our time, not because he's trying to dictate every minute of it, but because he cares about who we are on the inside. He cares about how we experience life. And so if you spend all of your time working or stressing about the work that you need to do or stressing about the work or how busy you need to be to feel important, you're not whole. That's what the Bible declares. You're not whole. You're actually stressed. You're anxious and you're distracted. And what Jesus does here as he talks about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, he actually gives us some clues as to what commonly distracts us as people of God, and causes our lives to feel overly busy and overly anxious. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, okay, birds of the air, lilies of the field, how in the world does that even apply, right? I mean, the first thing he talks about is he says, do not be worried about what you're going to eat 
and what you're going to drink. Some people, even in Nashville tonight, are worried about what they're going to eat later. You guys know that, right? There are some people that are praying to Jesus right now, asking the Lord for their next meal. You guys do know that, right? There are some people here in America and overseas that are looking for clean water to give to their children. We know that's a reality, right? So this is a a scriptural declaration. It's a promise. Jesus is addressing those people who don't have any food tonight. He's addressing the people who don't have clean water. But he's also addressing us. And he's not just talking to us about having a lack of food. I think he's actually talking to us about what feeds us. I think Jesus is actually addressing us and he's saying, do not worry about what you're going to be satisfied by. Do not worry about what you're going to fill yourself with. Do not worry about feeling fulfilled in this life because I, Jesus, want to take care of that. So he's not just addressing food in the natural. I think he's also addressing food in our heart, food in our soul, about what fulfills us. And we often buy into the belief that once we get a certain thing or we make a certain amount of money, then we won't feel anxious anymore, but fulfilled. We'll, we'll be whole. You guys know what I'm talking about? Well, if I can just get, if I can just achieve this number, you know, in, in my net worth, then I'm gonna be whole. If I can just get there, all the anxiety will be gone. You guys know what I'm talking about. Well, if I can just hit this number on social media, if I can just get this many followers, I won't have to work so hard anymore. I can rest a little bit. I'll have some contentment and peace because, man, thank God, I don't have to be anxious about I will have hit my goal, right? I'm satisfied now. Maybe it's in another area. Maybe you have a different goal. Maybe you want this certain promotion at work. Maybe you want this house. Maybe you want this car. Maybe it's not something material. Maybe it's something more internal. Maybe it's a relationship that you're looking to have. Maybe it's you want to win over the approval of your mom. It can be anything, all right? But that's what Jesus is addressing. He's saying, hey, I want to address what it is that you think is gonna bring you wholeness before I do. I want to address what is satisfying you or at least what is pseudo-satisfying you and giving you an illusion of wholeness because that's actually not true and I wanna call that out and how I know it's true and how you know it's true is because every day you shoot up off the pillow thinking about your to-do list, thinking about how busy that you need to become so that you can prove to your mom that you're valued, that you're valuable or prove to your dad that, hey, see, I am the man that you always wanted me to be. I'm gonna have to work myself sick so that people understand that they're not better than me. Are you guys with me on this? So that's what Jesus is addressing. He's saying, hey, what are you being satisfied by? What, what are you being filled with? How are you becoming full? What are you eating? Not just the food that you have for breakfast, but what are you consuming throughout the day that is giving you the illusion of feeling full? Because that's empty calories, man. It doesn't matter how many followers you get. It doesn't matter what your net worth is. It doesn't matter if you get that, you know, Ferrari in the driveway. It doesn't matter if you get to build that, you know, 2,500 square foot house or 5,000 or 10,000 square foot house, whatever it is, whatever your goal is. Not saying those things are always bad. But that is not going to longingly satisfy you and fulfill you. That's going to be like eating cupcakes for dinner for a month. It's going to be fun for like the first three or four days. And then by the end of it, you're going to say, man, 
I always thought I wanted to eat cupcakes for dinner, but now that I'm eating cupcakes for dinner, I found out that it's not actually satisfying me over time. I need some real food. You guys know what I'm talking about. And that's the illusion that we preach to ourselves when we're, when we're so worried about being busy. You know, so many chase wholeness. This, this is so true. And I, I have connection with some of these people. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I've met with people. I've talked, talked to people like this. Is that they're chasing wholeness. They're chasing that feeling of being full. How many of you guys like to get full? I love to be full. I love to eat till I'm full. You know, I just love that. It's so fun. I love to be full, right? And people are chasing fullness. They're chasing wholeness. They're chasing it, you know, through, through things like, like money or, or fame or, or their job or promotions. But what the Bible is teaching us here is that if we will put Jesus first, then we will always get enough to eat, that we truly will have the feelings of contentment. And he's, Jesus says, don't even worry about this, guys, because this is what the Gentiles worry about. Who are the Gentiles? The Gentiles are people who are not in covenant with God. Jesus says, when you're looking to other things to fulfill you and bring you wholeness, you're behaving like somebody that doesn't have relationship with God. But I'm saying to you, you are in covenant with God. You have relationship with God. Therefore, you have unadulterated access to true and genuine fulfillment on the inside. And it comes from me. It doesn't come from anything else. So let me address you and let me tell you, don't be worried about what you're going to eat. Don't be worried about feeling full. Don't be worried about feeling satisfied because none of that stuff's going to satisfy, which is important that you come to me first. Amen? So the next thing he says is, he says, don't be, don't be worried about what you're going to wear. You know, and I, I know not everybody in here is... is uh, Worried about what you're going to wear, okay? But there are some people in the world tonight, you guys would agree, I'm sure, that are, that are I, I've met some of them. They're like, man, I'm, I'm in rags. I need some clothes, right? We all know that there are people out there like that. Now, I, I, I would doubt that there's anybody here tonight that doesn't have at least a couple pair of clothes, you know? And I, I would highly doubt that from time to time, we don't all feel a little bit confused about what we're going to put on before we leave the house. Amen. I don't know, so you may not be into fashion. I will raise my hand and say, hey, I am, all right? So I fret over what I'm gonna wear at times. I am anxious over what I'm gonna wear because for me, it's all about a feeling. <laughs> I'm just being honest. If, 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 we're, if we're, my wife will tell you, if we're walking out the door, I'll take off like five shirts. I don't, like, I don't feel right, you know? And then I'll wear the same thing the next day and I'm like, but it feels good today. Right, anybody else in here? You feel that way? Okay, that's me, okay. Um, you know, so I know that some of us fret over fashion, but that's not exactly what Jesus is addressing here, okay? He might be addressing that if that fits for you, but I think that when he talks about clothing, he's going a little bit deeper. He's actually addressing how we feel about how other people see us. When other people see us, they, you know, they see what we're wearing, they see how we're dressed, but I think that what Jesus is wanting to address is the fear of how other people are going to see us. I think that's what he said. Don't, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about how other people are going to see you. Don't worry about if, if other people are going to see you and be like, man, they look good. They must be successful. They must have it together. Don't be worried about how other people are going to see you. Wow, let me look them up online. Wow, look how good they're doing. You know what I'm talking about? So that's what he's addressing. He's saying, don't, don't be afraid of other people and how they see you. The way that other people perceive us 
I know you guys would agree, it's important. It definitely matters how people experience you. We should all want to be nice. I should have made that a point. That should have just been a PowerPoint, right? Amen? We should all want to be nice. But here's the reality, guys. We cannot control other people's opinions of us. No matter how hard we obsessively try to dictate someone else's opinion of us or how the world perceives us, there's no way, no how that we can ever control how other people see us. It's, it's absolutely impossible. And to try to dictate how other people see you is absolutely exhausting. It will leave you anxious. It will leave you empty. It will leave you discontent. And it will leave you torn into pieces. You will be fragmented and not whole. When we try to control how other people think about us, the reality lives that we live paralyzed by fear. And this is exactly what Jesus died on the cross to deliver us from. Jesus came and died to deliver us from the fear of other people and what they think about us. He came to deliver us from the fear of man. He told us in scripture, he said, I don't want you to fear people that want to kill your body. Now, obviously he meant this literally because you know the, the apostles were all martyrs, but we all know what it's like in here tonight to feel destroyed by another person. Somebody's comments, somebody lashing out on us, somebody gossiping about us, somebody talking about, maybe it is your outfit. Maybe it's something that you like felt, you curated that thing, man. You felt awesome when you stepped out of the house. And then you heard somebody just say like, can you believe, look at that. And it just takes you down, just bust the balloon. You know, you're like, well, I thought I was cool. You know what I mean? We, we, it's, it's, it's a reality. We've all experienced that before, like some, somebody just destroying us. But that's what Jesus is telling us. He say, don't fear what other people think about you. Don't fear what other people say about you. And don't fear what other people might do to you. Because there is nothing that people can do to you that God can't undo to you. including killing you. Jesus can raise the dead. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody, right? It doesn't matter. There's, there's, no, there's nothing to be afraid of that anybody can say, think, or do to you because ultimately anything that the enemy can do to you, God can undo to you. That includes every area. That includes, that includes all, um, all attack, spirit, soul, and body. God can reverse every curse. He, he, can, he can restore the years that you spent in sin. He can restore the years that you spent paralyzed by fear. He can restore every moment that you missed out. Whenever he called your name and you didn't respond, he can add to what he's doing in your life tonight and, and right now in this moment to restore all of that. There's nothing that nobody can do to you that God can't undo to you. And that's why he's saying... Don't be afraid. Don't live your life paralyzed in fear. Just, just worried all the time about how other people see me. I mean, there, I know some people who can't even go to the grocery store to shop for groceries because they don't have an hour to get dressed. Hello. I'm preaching to myself. Every now and then I tell Allison, I say, we can't go to barista parlor. We got to go to Starbucks. I can't go in there looking like this. We're like, we got to go someplace real low key, you know? It's like, we're going out to get breakfast. We're like, we can't go to Fido. We're going we're gonna to have to go to Cracker Barrel. Because, you know, I'm wearing my sweatpants. And what if somebody sees me, you know what I'm saying? Right. 
right? What if somebody say, I'm a pastor, you know, I have a reputation to uphold it. That's what God is addressing. He said, stop worrying about how other people are seeing you. In Proverbs 29 and 25, which totally connects to this scripture, it says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. You see, you, you notice it says it will prove to be. The fear of man doesn't always feel like it's a snare at first. Because initially it may feel gratifying that you're competing with other people and winning. Being fueled by shame, thinking, well, I got to do better than the next person. So we're dictating our schedules according to our fear of other people's opinions. And then ultimately what we find out is that fear of man leads to become a snare. It takes our foot off. It pulls us into pieces. We're no longer whole. We're suffering of anxiety. It says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I like feeling safe. How about you guys? I like feeling full and I like feeling safe. And if I'm both at the same time, that's even better. Full and safe. That just makes me feel like a child of God. <laughs> wholeness, and healing from busy, uh, wholeness and healing from busyness is found when we trust God with our reputations. When we, when we don't trust God with our reputations, we live life anxious and fragmented. But when we trust God with our reputation and how other people could, may, if, see us, we're kept safe and we're kept full. I feel like, I feel like that's better than y'all are saying amen right now. You know, it's like preaching like 20% better than y'all are saying Amen. I'm just joking. That's not our portion. To, to be worried about our reputation is not our portion. Rather, that's the sort of thinking that Jesus was saying. That's what the Gentiles do. That is not how people think who are in covenant with God. Because the people who are in covenant with God, they are trusting God with their reputation. They are full. They are not fragmented. They are whole. They are safe. And they are not in danger of other people's gossip. Because they're protected. And that's where we get to Matthew 6 and 33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. You know, honestly, guys, if you're, if you're feeling tonight like you are just super busy, right? If, you know, we talked about that in the beginning. If you're feeling tonight like you're super busy, if you're always plagued by anxiety, if you're always feeling waking up like, man, I just, I'm so busy. I, I just, I'm throwing my hands up. I'm going on vacation. It, meaning you procrastinate for a few days on Facebook or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I can't deal, right? I just can't even. Like, that's a popular thing, right? <laughs> can't even, yo. So, but how many of you guys have been there before? I mean, there's a big percentage of our culture that live there. It's a condition. It's terminal. It's, I am too busy. Life is so hard. I am I've got so much anxiety about all the stuff that I need to do. Guys, that is not your portion. That's the truth of, of Jesus died so that that lifestyle, that that thought process, that that internal reality would be far from you. Jesus actually died on the cross so that you would be full, that you would be safe, that you would be content, and that you would feel rested and at peace on the inside despite how much work you have to get done each day. 
Guys, let me tell you this. There is always enough grace available for what you're supposed to accomplish in one day. Jesus always provides enough grace for everything you're supposed to get done in that given day. You never have to worry if there's enough grace for you to get done what you're supposed to get done because you'll get it done. That is not our portion, to be torn into pieces every day when we wake up thinking about worry. I'm worried about my to-do list. I'm worried about my schedule. I'm anxious. Man, I'm, I'm busy. Jesus actually gives us a prescription. He gives us this message, and then he says, here you go, guys. Hey, New Testament believers. Hey, people that I'm in covenant with, let me give you a solution to your busyness. Let me give you a prescription to your anxiety. Let me tell you how to deal with this. And he addresses, get this, our priorities. That's what Jesus addresses. He addresses our priorities. And he said to us, hey, your deliverance from worry and busyness is determined by what you choose to do first. I want you guys to really get this. Your deliverance from busyness will be determined by what you choose to do first every day. Your deliverance from anxiety will be determined by what you choose to do first every day. Your deliverance from busyness will be determined by what you choose to do first every day. So here's what the devil tells us, right? We wake up, you have so much to do today. You better get up quick and put your shoes on fast and get out that door. You do not have time to be nice to your wife today. You have way too many things to do today. Just ignore everything that's going on at home. Come on, there's more important stuff to be done in the office. Get there quick, get there now. Am I being real with you guys, right? I gotta get this stuff done, man. Your deliverance from those feelings will be determined by what you choose to do first. Because there's always enough grace to seek God first. If there was not, then Jesus wouldn't have said it in this sermon. There's always enough grace for you to commune with the Holy Spirit. If there wasn't, then Jesus Christ wouldn't have died on the cross to make it possible for you. Because he was thinking about your schedule when he was hanging high. He was thinking about your to-do list whenever he exited out of the grave. And he said, hey, I know in a couple thousand years from now, the culture's gonna tell them that they need to be busy to feel important, but I'm telling them that their value is determined by what I accomplished three days ago on the cross. And I declare that they are valuable. I declare that they are important. And I love them so much that I got up out of hell, that I cursed death, that I walked out of the tomb, and I said, hey, I know you're busy, but look, I've provided some grace for you to have a connection that's gonna make you feel safe, and it's gonna make you feel full in a world that's empty, that doesn't have wholeness, that doesn't have safety, that's afraid of a terrorist attack or is afraid of their financial collapse. They're afraid, there's fear, and they're peddling it every day on the news. But I'm telling you right now, that you can be safe right here. You can hide yourself in the shadow of my wings. Why? Because of what I did, because of what I accomplished, and because I resurrected, and now I rule and reign over even your to-do list. So busyness, it's not even a reality in my kingdom because time is situated outside of the, you know, it's like, it's not even in the kingdom. It's not even heaven, right? We're gonna be there forever and ever and ever and ever. You ever think about that? Just messes with your head, right? It's like forever and ever? 
But what about forever, God? What are we going to do? You know? <laughs> That's what I think. What am I going to do? Oh, I mean, worship's fun, but forever? There's no time there. There's no distance, no space. It's like, you know, the, the laws of gravity, all the stuff that we deal with here, it's like that's not even a reality there, right? I think that's why Jesus didn't even address it that much. He was like, because if you're gonna live situated in another kingdom, then you're gonna live like time does not have any control over you. You guys with me on this? I may feel a little deep, but I'm not trying to be deep. I'm just saying that time has a way of, of, of pushing us and pressuring us and, you know, the clock's ticking and you have to get this stuff done. But Jesus is saying, hey, enter into a place of the spirit. Enter, enter into a kingdom reality. Time doesn't put any pressure on you here because in heaven there is none. Okay, that's deep and kind of weird. But, you know, we, we, we've all heard the talks on productivity, Right? Yeah, how many of you guys have heard this one? Put the big blocks in first. Have you heard that before, right? You, I mean, you guys have all seen that cheesy YouTube video where they got that vase or vase or however you say it, and they're like putting the big rocks in, and then they're putting the small one, and then they're, then, <laughs> then they're, they're putting the sand. You know, it's like they're teaching you how to be productive, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Man, I went deep there. So more deepness. Okay. It, sometimes, I mean, it's like, the, it's like this famous productivity talk where they teach you how to go about your day. Yeah, it doesn't all fit. You guys with me? So they're saying, put all the big rocks in first. You, you know what I'm talking about? Because what they're teaching you, it, it's a good principle, okay? So, but, you see, yeah. Boom, we got, we got a connection here, Brett and I. So basically what they're teaching you here, they're saying, do the most difficult task first. That's what they're saying, okay? So let me just, there's a spoiler alert, okay? So if you, if you Google search it, spoiler alert, right? They're saying, whatever your hardest, most difficult task is, get it done first, because then that's gonna alleviate the pressure of doing that. Then you can work on the other stuff, all right? So it's like, oh, that's a good principle, right? But God actually delivers us from even that mindset, and he says you don't have to do the most difficult thing in your day first. What I'm giving you the opportunity is to have relationship first. I'm giving you the opportunity to connect first. I'm giving you the opportunity to pray first. And, uh, you know, Martin Luther said one time, I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. <laughs> because a lot of times we think, I'm so busy, I don't have time to pray. If you're that busy, you don't have time not to pray because you will end up doing other things that God never called you to do that the enemy's saying, hey, you should do this, you should do this. But you can't determine whether or not that's the enemy's voice or the Lord's because you've uh, thrown off connection with him. I gotta do all this stuff. I have to do all this stuff. Did God say anything about that this morning? I didn't pray this morning. I have time to pray. That's probably why you're doing all this stuff. Because you're looking for value in being busy and you could have got that in the first five minutes of your day by just sitting and being still and saying, God, what are you saying today? And he brings you into a place of peace and safety and fullness and contentment. And he says, you are whole and you are my child and you're not fragmented and you don't have to go out today and look for importance in anything, money or, or influence or, or your job or, or anything that you don't have to look for. Because I'm telling you right now, child, you are valued. You are important. You, 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 you are valued in heaven. You are valuable to me. See, that's what Jesus says. He said, if you want to get delivered from worry, then I'm going to say, then you need to reprioritize your activities. 
And, and when, he, he, when he, says, he says seek, right? Well, the Greek in that, uh, when he says seek first, he's, that actually means to inquire or to investigate the kingdom in God's righteousness. And that's what God calls us to do on a day-to-day basis. And that's what actually brings us to deliverance from distraction is by investigating the kingdom. Say, God, what are you doing today? What are you saying today? It's really not even that we choose to pray, guys. It's that we choose to pray first. We don't, we don't work prayer into our schedule. Prayer dictates our schedule. And if it doesn't, we shouldn't be surprised when we don't feel whole. Amen? So if we will choose to investigate God's reign and righteousness as our first priority of each day, we will live content and at peace and free from worry and busyness. So what's important that we do tonight as I'm closing is that I want to challenge you guys, and I, 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 it's not a challenge to do anything, okay? It's a challenge, well, maybe it is, but first and foremost, it's to receive something, okay? It's to receive truth. And it's, and it's to allow the truth that Jesus releases in this moment to give you an upgrade on how you do your life. Guys, that's what transformation is all about. That's what surrender and obedience as a disciple is all about, is that you hear truth from Jesus and you realign, you spline your life, amen, around that truth and around that principle. And what happens? You become more like Jesus and you experience more of heaven. And I wanna give you guys this challenge because I think that, I think that it's important that we do this. Um, I, think that, I think that a lot of us check for likes every day before we check for God. And so here's my challenge to you, okay? Here, here, here is one of the number one ways that I can pretty much foresee you not having a good day. If the first thing you do in the morning is check social media, just flipping through. Here's what I want to challenge you guys to do. Take your phone and put it out of your bedroom. And it's like deadpan quiet now. Because I'm not, I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm just challenging you. It is very difficult to give God your first fruits of every day. That's what even what the tithing message is about. It's about our first fruits. It's about our first 10%. It's because we're declaring that the first, not the last, we don't work prayer in. Oh yeah, that's important. It's totally fine. God wants the first fruits and that's what guarantees our contentment. And I think that too oftentimes we're giving our first fruits to Facebook. We're giving our first fruits of the day. We, our, the day has been given to us by Jesus. How many of you guys wanna give your day back to him? in glory and worship, right? So the first thing that we should do is give it back to him in that way. We should honor God with the first fruits of our life. And I can, and I can say from personal experience, one of the ways that dictate me having a good day or a bad day is, is, is whether or not I am stuck to my phone for the first 30 minutes of my day. Because a lot of times I'll lay in bed and I'll think to myself, oh, you know, I've, I was just checking, you know, my emails. And I've been on it for 45 minutes. Anybody else in here? So what happens? You've not had an opportunity to check with God first. You've not had an opportunity to have alignment. You've not had an opportunity for God to tell you about who you are. Rather, first and foremost, you went to social media 
and you can't even control what they present to you, and they're telling you about your day. They're telling you about your value. They're telling you about how you should feel. They're telling you about how busy you need to be today because look who's outrunning you. Look who's better than you. Look who's richer than you. Look who has a better outfit than you. Look who has more followers than you. Look at all these things that you don't have. Busy, 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 busy. I better get about the business. Because now, now, now my whole day is being fueled by shame, by the fact that I'm no longer worthy of being loved because I'm not as good as this other person, when the reality is that God actually wants to lift that shame from us by us giving him our first fruits and saying, God, you're my priority, and I wanna hear your voice before I hear the voices of complete strangers who don't even have an investment in my life. They don't even care about what you do with your time. They don't even know you. But yet we're handing over the keys saying, go ahead and drive me into my destiny. I'm gonna be here with a you know, with tennis elbow. Man, I'm telling the truth, man. I'm preaching to myself, which is why I preach this message. That's a preacher's secret, all right? We preach what we need to hear. And here's the challenge. Take the phone and charge it in your kitchen. <laughs> uh, who's gonna accept that challenge? Will you just lift your hand? Will you try it for a week? Can everybody in here try it for three days then? If you can't. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Next week, we're going to have boxes of cheap alarm clocks from the Dollar Tree. So, okay, I'm closing, y'all. Y'all can stand up. I'm done. But it, it's... Okay, see, Trevor's bringing some knowledge. You can, you can put the phone, you can actually, you can put in your settings, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah the airplane mode. There you go. It'll still wake you up, but maybe this is what we can do. Okay, for all of you guys that are, that are still using, you know, your iPhone as an alarm, I do that too myself, all right? I don't have an alarm clock by my bed. But maybe you just make a, a commitment, okay? I'm gonna keep my airplane, I'm gonna keep my phone in airplane mode until I've connected with God. And even if that's just reading a scripture, even if that's just being quiet, you know, the best time to hear from God is in the morning. You know why? Because your head's not full yet. It's a lot more space. It's a lot more, I can breathe. I haven't started my day yet. Um, you guys all know the story of Cain and Abel, right? Cain rose up, killed his brother Abel. Why? was Abel's sacrifice accepted and Cain's not? Because Abel gave his first fruits. For, for Abel, it was a matter of priority because he sought the kingdom first. Who lived anxious, jealous, not whole, and wondered? He murdered somebody in the natural, you know, but our inclination to do that metaphorically and slander people and gossip and make fun of people and be rude. I really do believe that that's a matter of our priorities, God, guys. And what we seek first matters. Our first fruits matter to God. What we give to him determines the direction of our day. So if, if, if you're in here tonight and you're like, that's me, I'm gonna take that challenge. I'm gonna either get the phone out of my bedroom 
And maybe for you, this is not, this is not your deal. Maybe it's not what you do first. Maybe you click on CNN. Maybe you uh, do something else. Maybe you check your email. But how many of you guys will make a commitment to just say, I'm gonna give God the first fruits of my day. Will you try that? Just give it, just do it as an experiment. Will you guys do it as an experiment for a couple days? Do it tomorrow. See what kind of effect it has on your life. All right, so Lord, we just thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for everything that you've done here in the house. We thank you for the amazing worship that we've had. We thank you for challenging us with your word and, and with your truth and with your spirit. And Lord, we're, we're just thankful for a family that we can come together and have fun and worship you because we know heaven's gonna be a lot of fun. And so we thank you for the opportunity to just get together and have a blast in your presence, God. Would you just knit our hearts closer together in a bond of unity and peace? And God, I just declare that we would feel safe and that we would feel full as we give you our first fruits. So just as we're praying, guys, we're gonna dismiss now, but just real quick, as we're praying, if you don't mind, just close your eyes and bow your head. If there's anybody in here right now under the sound of my voice that at some point in time in this service tonight, you felt, man, I just, I wanna get right with God. I wanna realign my life and I want heaven to be my priority. I want Jesus to be my everything and my first thing. Would you just lift your hand right now? Because I wanna pray with you as we close. Thank you guys so much. You can, you can put your hands down. We, we pray with each and every person who has acknowledged that they wanna realign their life tonight, Jesus, to make you first. Maybe that's for the first time. Maybe that's for the 50th time. That does not matter because the grace of God is for today. It is present and available. And I pray over you right now in the name of Jesus. And I release protection over your mind. I release grace over your life. I release favor over your life. And I just declare that today, as a result of your surrender, that Jesus is meeting you, that you are a disciple in whom he's proud of. You are his son, you are his daughter. And tonight he takes your commitment seriously. And he is gonna meet that this week with grace and with power in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, guys. So we're gonna have our ministry team here in the front. We're gonna dismiss you guys and send you out now. Um, don't forget, we'll be here next Sunday. And then one more time after that. So come next week and bring a friend and let these last couple of weeks be super fun. So if you guys don't mind, just throw our prayer up and we're gonna bless you, okay? Let's just speak this out over ourselves and over our friends and family. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. God bless you guys. We're gonna see you here next Sunday. We love you big. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. And God bless.